fear of the Lord is to hate and shun evil. If God brings to my attention that something that I'm wanting is not good, listen, two words remember. If God says no, you remember that the two reasons is corruption and destruction. The reason God doesn't want that in my life as much as I may want it, God knows it may have a corrupting, destructive re result in my life. It may be something that appears good. It may be good for someone else, but in my life or your life, it has a corrupting, destructive nature and character to it. He says, those who fear the Lord shall not want any good thing. Now, my friend, listen. Do you expect God to bless you financially? while you do not hate and shun, but you toy play and endorse evil, while you're so caught up in the world doing your thing, not being submissive to God, loving Him and obeying Him, courting and playing and making provision for the flesh, as the Bible warns us against, you expect God to prosper you. If you want to prosper both materially and spiritually, He says, learn to fear the living God. And look how this works. When a man or woman fears God, what are they doing? They're in the Word, gleaning the principles of God. They're building a strong family. And a man or woman who's in the Word of God and building a strong family, learning to fear the Lord, hating and despising evil, hating and despising evil is sharpening up my discerning spirit. It is sharpening up my discernment so that in my business and in my financial affairs, I'm going to make wise decisions. Because I am fearing God, I am submissive to Him, I am waiting upon Him, I am listening to Him, and I'm not taking shortcuts by cheating my brother, doing dishonest things, and losing my integrity in the process. A wise man, a person, a man, a woman who fears God will be blessed of God both spiritually and materially for the simple reason that those who fear Him have a discernment about the circumstances of their life that oftentimes is not there. The question is this, do you want God's very best in your life or do you want to keep on playing around with sin, courting evil, compromising your conviction, while at the same time you're trying to get what God has offered freely but it'll never be there because you do not fear God. You see, a person who plays with sin and courts its disaster, doesn't fully love the living God with all of his mind, all of his heart, all of his soul, as God has warned us and has admonished us. Let's move on. Listen to what he says. He says, Now wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Oh, look at verse 4. Light arises in the darkness for the upright. What is he saying here? Simply this. God protects the man or woman who fears him in time of great difficulty. Now, when he says light arises in darkness, what is he speaking of here? We'll turn back to uh, Psalm 34 for just a moment. Listen to what he says in verse 7. He says, The angel of the Lord encamps round, around about around those who fear him and rescues them. Now, when he says here in this passage, Light arises in the darkness for the upright. Here's what he means. That because you and I live a life fearing the Lord and obedience to Him, that doesn't mean we're not going to have our dark times. It does not mean that we're not going to have periods of distress and valley experiences and difficulties and heartaches and trials and, and headaches and tears and all the rest. We're going to have them. But here's what he says. He says, for the man or woman who learns to, who learns to fear God, when the darkness comes, he says, there will be light. 
It may be dark to everybody around you, but there's going to be light. He says, here's the reason why. The angel of the Lord encamps round about those who fear him. And that's the reason that you and I, in the midst of great, overwhelming, thick, almost impenetrable darkness, you and I can walk with our head up, our shoulders back, and a perfect confidence in our step because we see the light all around us and the darkness, listen, for the child of God, the darkness always has to keep its distance. You and I are encompassed by the living God. He says, the angel of the Lord encamps round about those who fear him. In the midst of great difficulty and heartache, he says, what? He says, the light arises in darkness for the upright. Thanks for joining us on In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. Obedience to God doesn't guarantee your life will be free from difficulty. Seasons of hardship will come, but believers can be assured that God will guide them through any darkness. We'll continue cultivating a healthy fear of the Lord tomorrow. To listen again, go to intouch.org and look for the link to Today on Radio. And take a look around our website to find many resources that will help you understand the power, might, and deep love of God. Open the bookstore page if you'd like to order a copy of today's complete message, The Fear of the Lord. Again, log on to intouch.org or call 1-800-IN-TOUCH. To write to us, address your letter to In Touch, Post Office Box 7900. Atlanta, Georgia, 30357. How do you know when that idea you get or the prompting you sense is from God? Today's Moment with Charles Stanley is coming up. Do you take sermon notes on the back of your bulletin, jot scripture references on the offering envelope? Start keeping things in one place, one organized place, with the In Touch Note Takers Journal. This leather soft journal contains 150 pages for taking notes and includes Dr. Stanley's 30 life principles. Find everything in one convenient place with the In Touch Note Takers Journal. Call toll free 1 800 In Touch or visit intouch.org. Trusting God each day can be a challenge, but working to grow that trust brings greater joy and peace than we could ever find on our own. In Trusting God with Today, the 365-day devotional from the teachings of Dr. Charles Stanley, we are encouraged to believe in God's love and rest in His purpose for us. Available now at intouch.org today. You're listening to In Touch. How can you be sure it's God and not your own desires speaking to you? With Insight for Believers, here's A Moment with Charles Stanley. I used to wonder the same thing. I'd think, okay, God, now, this is what I want. I want your will. This is what I believe you've said. So how do I know this is me and it's, it's you? And I would say, it, it can be confusing. But here's what I think happens. When you really and truly want God's will, and I think sometimes you, you have to move in that direction over a period of time. When I know I really and truly want the will of God, I want to know what He's saying. Then whatever I sense and whatever I feel, I come at it in this way. I know He knows I want to know the truth. I'm available, Lord, for the truth. Whatever the truth is, I want that. If I want the truth, He's committed to showing me the truth, that He's the one doing the speaking, 
then if I sense I believe that God has spoken to my heart, then the next thing I'm going to do is to refer to the Word of God and think, okay, is this consistent with what God is saying? Now, I may think, well, oh, yes, it is, and I have a verse. Then you have to back off that and say, okay, God, is it really and truly consistent with your Word? And so in that process, then the Spirit of God does exactly what Paul said. The Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that this is of God. That is, and the reason the lost person couldn't understand this, or many Christians can't understand it, is because they're not aware of the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Spirit of God that is just as definite as what I'm saying to you. And sometimes I think God speaks more audibly than we speak because it's so definitely His voice. And that's what you learn over a period of time of listening to Him. But that's the way He operates. And He gets us, He has to get us out of our mode into His mode of thinking. And then one day you realize, I know God said that to me. You can learn more about discerning God's direction for your life at intouch.org. And if today's program has given you guidance for your spiritual journey, please let us know. Tomorrow on In Touch, we'll hear a list of the rewards that await those who fear the Lord. I hope you'll join us Wednesday for In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. This program is a presentation of In Touch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia, and remains on this station through the grace of God and your faithful prayers and gifts. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. At the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. In the beloved movie The Princess Bride, the character Vizzini frequently cries inconceivable about things that keep on happening. Finally, another character observes, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. For me, that scene comes to mind annually when Merriam-Webster Dictionary announces its word of the year. The announcement is intended to recognize words that have defined our cultural moment. In recent years, however, it tends to recognize words that our cultural moment has redefined. For example, last year's word gaslighting describes unhealthy behavior in which someone tries to manipulate you into questioning your sanity. However, just like the word toxic before it, gaslighting is now a catch-all term used by some to shut down pretty much anyone who disagrees with them. This year's word is authentic, which the dictionary defines as, quote, not false or imitation, real, actual, or worthy of acceptance or belief as conforming to or based on fact. However, today, the context in which this word is most frequently and passionately used is in the debate over gender identity, as in be your authentic self. So now it refers to anything but real or conformity to fact. To be authentic in 2023 often means stubbornly ignoring fact, hormonally masking or surgically reconstructing fact, demanding that others also ignore fact in classrooms, in competitions, in locker rooms, and in print. Theologian Carl Truman documented how we got to this place in his book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And this new definition of authenticity is part of that story, that living a fulfilling life means primarily looking within, discovering who you quote-unquote truly are, and then projecting that identity into the world. This is all central to his account. 
Truman explains, quote, Expressive individualism particularly refers to the idea that in order to be fulfilled, in order to be an authentic person, in order to be genuinely me, I need to be able to express outwardly or perform publicly that which I feel I am inside. In a society where the expressive individual is increasingly the norm and increasingly presented as that which we should all be, then the idea of society itself forcing us to play a role that we don't feel comfortable with inside makes us inauthentic. The real problem with all of this is that this new definition of authentic is, well, just utter nonsense. Truth is not primarily subjective. It's objective. Reality is not decided by individuals. It's given by a creator. And one of the things our creator both demands of us and enables us to do through redemption is to conform our inner selves to his will and to his design, which he reveals objectively in both creation and in Holy Scripture. In other words, to be authentically me is to be who God says I am. Our identity is established by, guaranteed by, secured in Jesus Christ. Even more important than getting words right is pointing to the reality to which words refer and to which words are permanently tethered. Words become nonsense otherwise, and that should be enough to make this whole practice of redefining words what is truly inconceivable. Now, before I sign off today, I just wanted to say thank you for making Breakpoint a part of your Christian worldview diet this year. Everywhere that I travel, I meet our listeners who share how these daily doses of clarity have helped them to think more biblically, to have hard conversations, to disciple their own kids and grandkids. And if Breakpoint's been this kind of a help to you and your family, would you please consider making a year-end gift of support? You can do this by visiting colsoncenter.org slash give. That's colsoncenter.org slash give. For Breakpoint, I'm John Stone Street. Silent night. Oh, holy night. It came upon a midnight clear. Nighttime is often associated with the first Christmas. Billy Graham says one of the most significant parts of the Christmas story was the angel's announcement that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem at night. It was not only night because the sun had gone down, but the world was enshrouded in spiritual and moral gloom as it is today. But it is always when things are darkest that God often reveals himself. To many of you, it is night. It has been night this past year as you have suffered the loss of a friend or loved one. But I want to tell you that above the clouds, the sun is shining. Down in your heart, you can receive this Christ of Christmas, and he can bring the joy and the thrill and the glory such as you have never known if you will give your life to him. Discover more about giving your life to the Christ of Christmas. Go to findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. Merry Christmas from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. (laughs) 